0: Why, why do you have two separate water bottles and why are you drinking so from a,
1: Don't judge me, well, just start no. the show. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief Weekly Q&A podcast from your friends here at Sandals Church. I am your host, Justin Pardee, and I am back to life, back Back to reality. reality. Yes, I knew we could do it. I'm here alongside my pal, Stephanie Schaefer, right across the table from me, and we are sitting here waiting for some real answers to tough questions from the Bible from our man, Pastor Matt Brown. Yeah, it's the PMB. Feeling good? Mm -hmm. Uh, We just had a great kickoff staff meeting for our whole staff this entire year of January, this entire year of 2018. (laughs) It's going to be a great year. We're excited. Uh, one of the things I got to be honest with you, I'm most excited about this year is coming up so soon. It, it is, is episode 100. We are going back live in person for episode 100. We did episode 50. It was great, but this is episode 100. It needs so to be twice as be great. Yeah, twice as great. Stephanie, um, can you fill in our wonderful debrief family, Debrief can, Nation? And I will. All about. Episode 100.
0: <laughs> Debrief Nation. Don't try to make this like The Bachelor, okay? Oh,
1: uh, well, come
0: on. All right. We are going live for episode 100, and we are going to be at the Riverside Municipal Auditorium in beautiful downtown Riverside, California. Can you believe Riverside, it? Can you California. believe it? It's
1: going to be awesome. It's a it's great gonna room. It's
0: going to be so great. It's so pretty. Go look up pictures I on Google. I hope they still we have, really
2: have love the love Chinese lights for New Year's, for Chinese New Year's. Oh, have lighters. you seen it downtown? Oh, yeah, yeah. there are colors. Mm-hmm. It'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll ask them to keep those up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. can do that for us. We will be there on the evening of Monday, February 26th. And we're going to have a special way for you to make sure to save your seat this time because I know we ran out of room last time. We want to make sure to have room for as many people as possible. So we're going to make sure you have an opportunity to save your seat. So make sure to tune in next week. We'll give you all the details on how to make that happen.
1: It's going to be awesome. Hopefully oh, you're following yeah. along Facebook, Twitter, all those other things. We're actually live. Uh, we did it before today. We're actually live. We tried before. Remember that one time we tried to go live and then I failed with technology saved us and mm-hmm. here we are live in 360 on facebook right now mm. oh they Vitter. can see me too
0: from that yeah, yeah they it can like goes all the way around but then
1: if they don't want to see you they can how, is, how does it see me where's the camera it's like it's this there, little thing
0: but it's like a fisheye, so it wraps oh. all the way it's around. that's dude. beneficial
1: for you to put your finger in front of the fish eye i didn't mean i was just trying to point and i yeah. didn't realize how mm. We're going to have to bring Alana back, bro. She's definitely handling that technology game. The one thing that I am an expert at handling is excitement over our five-star reviews that people leave us in the iTunes store. And we've got another excellent five-star review. This one comes from Q from KY. And she says, he says, whoever it is, gives us five stars. Refreshing. Boom! As someone that grew up in a church that pushed toward that pushed following rules of religion, it's nice to listen to people from a church that values both the relationship with their Savior and biblical knowledge. Amen. Too many churches are one or the other. Love you guys and gal. Thanks. That was nice. Some yeah. gals too. Now that we've got Elena in the rotation, mm-hmm. and always look forward to your wisdom. I think she's sending that last part uh, to you, Pastor Matt. But uh, we are. Thank you, or welcome, welcoming yeah. you for the fun that you have on the well, show. Well, Tammy yeah. listened
2: to the show this week. She told me she really liked Elena's perspective and she said she thought that uh, she brought some stuff out in you too. Yeah. So I didn't listen it. to the episode, but my wife said that she thought that they were great.
0: I would say Elena makes all of us better.
1: It's yeah. true. It's true. Well, let's jump right into what everybody's here for. It's those questions and that we have a lot of those. We're going to do some follow-up questions before we jump right into debriefing this weekend's sermon, which we
0: also get to do. That's right. So last week, Pastor Matt, you talked about Mark ten eighteen, which is part of that story where Jesus is calling out a rich young man for calling him good, which right. seems odd. So Sherry sent in a question and wanted to know why did Jesus say that only God is good when He Himself is God?
2: Right, because He's trying to get the rich young ruler to think. So this guy's brilliant; he's a scholar, and so He's trying to force him into really making a decision about who he believes Jesus is, because. Um, he's acknowledging that there's something about Jesus that comes from God, but the rich young ruler doesn't understand fully who he is. So mm-hmm. Jesus is trying to really just set him up to make a decision. Look, if I am a good teacher, then I am from God and am in fact, God. So you should leave everything and follow me. And ultimately the dude doesn't. So he goes away. He, he leaves Jesus. So, um, I, and again, I, I think all of us need to ask ourselves, why do I call Jesus what I call him? Mm-hmm. And a lot of us use language that we don't really mean. You know, we say, Uh, Jesus is my Lord. And and we don't act like that at all. Or Jesus is my God, or I worship Jesus. And the truth is we worship a lot of things, but Jesus. And so um, we just have to remember that, you know, even as Christians, we can be hypocritical with what we call Jesus. And so instead of focusing on condemning the world for how they don't acknowledge who he is, we really need to take a look at ourselves for how we claim that he's one thing, but we live as if he's another. So that's why
1: there we go okay this follow up comes from Oliver and it is a long question but a good one thank you for talking about the unique struggle for men and masturbation on the last episode I just want to thank you for letting me be out of the room when that was happening Uh, (laughs) I'm in my 20s and I am single sometimes I feel the need to masturbate and do it uh, but then feel like I need to confess it as a sin because I feel guilty after in addition I have nocturnal emissions from dreams that have imagery that I don't think is appropriate this makes me feel bad even though I don't have control over what I dream my goal is to live my singleness with purity what do I do
2: yeah, so I mean, there's really three aspects to this question. I, I feel like we covered, you know, uh, the masturbation issue yeah. last week. So uh, again, if you're if you're tuning in today, you know, men biologically are different from women. There is ab- actually a substantial difference uh, because of our genders. And so one of the things with men is um, men produce semen, and and about every four days that stuff has to come out. And so the question is, how how does that come out? And that's not to say that if you modify your lifestyle and your behavior, that over time, I believe that you can have a better self-control over the issue. Uh, But however, you know, the issue of masturbation specifically I talked about last week is I don't think that the act is a sin. It's what are you thinking about when you're acting upon that? And you have to be really, really careful. Um, So pornography for me is just simply watching others commit adultery. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) why would you do that? Um, I think that it's it's not helpful. It's not productive and, and even leads to voyeurism, which is really, really difficult. So a lot of people who view pornography get sexually aroused by watching people have sex, but they don't know how to actually participate in the act of sex. And that's one of the really, really negative aspects of uh, pornography that even non-Christian groups are talking about now is people are not aroused by the real thing because mm-hmm. they've so uh, tweaked their mentality by looking at what's, what, what is the fake thing. The dreams issue, man, I think we've, um, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot about sexual dreams, but I think we could all agree we've had some pretty freaking weird dreams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, I've had dreams where I killed a lot of people. Do I feel bad <laughs> yeah. about that? I mean, there, there's there's just some things. And so sexual dreams, uh, for, for me, I mean, I've obviously had sex dreams, and, and sometimes, you know, I feel like the need to confess it, and sometimes I don't. Uh, one time in particular, I had just a really, really bizarre... Um, sexual dream about a woman in our church who was not my wife and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I I, I told Tammy about it and she started dying laughing. Uh, thank God she wasn't intimidated by this particular woman whatsoever, but she just was dying laughing. And I kid you not, this is a true story. This is like real. Okay, I, I shared that with her in the morning. We went to Chick-fil-A that night at dinner and that church member came up to us at Chick-fil-A and sat next to us and said, how are you guys doing? I was just like, I'm going to hell. Like <laughs> my, and my wife is just like dying laughing. So, right. I mean, I I don't feel like I had any unhealthy thoughts towards that particular person. I didn't feel like I was... Uh, lusting after her or like there, there was nothing. I don't know why my brain does what it does. My brain does weird things, you know, like um, <laughs> hey, I dreamed about
1: a six, a uh, bunch of Oreos last night. So yeah. So, I mean,
2: so right. I mean, my wife always dreams like that people are chasing her. Like I can't tell you how many times I wake up in the middle of the night and I think someone's breaking in, but really what's happening is she's trying to get out. And I'm like, where are you going? They're like, she's attacking, they're attacking me, they're attacking me. I'm like, so so dreams are like weird. I mean, mm-hmm. they just are. And so what you need to do is you need to ask yourself: Is this a real issue? Am I really lusting after this person? Is is has my relationship with this person become? Um, I I read an article about it. it's called quasi cheating or hmm. something on the internet. So you're so you're I not en- pseudo or- pseudo. Yeah. There we go pseudo cheating. And so what it means is you're not um, you're not engaged in anything sexual, but you're texting a person or you're. Yeah. Um, you know, you're interacting with a person and you're hiding it from your spouse. So I would agree. That's, that's dangerous. If you start having dreams about this person that you're engaging with, you really, really have to be careful, but we just have to give ourselves some grace. Look, our brains do weird things. So, you know, pray through it, get an accountability, ask some people, you know, okay, Hey, are you seeing this in me? What's going on? Um, I'm way more worried about what I'm doing while I'm awake than what I'm doing while I'm asleep, yeah. And so I just think if your big burden is what happens at night when you go to sleep, God bless you. You're a saint. Uh, for most of us, right, um, we really, really need to watch what we're doing and, and how we're behaving when we're conscious. And but, but that's not to say that God can't speak through dreams. He can. And so that's why you need community. Uh, you need to pray into the Holy Spirit, say God, what's going on here? What's happening to me? And oftentimes, especially um, if you're a man and you've been engaging in pornography, you've been engaging in masturbation, or even in sex outside of marriage, and you stop that behavior, uh, it's going to be a struggle. Your body, your body is used to whatever you do. So yeah. it's just like um, I'm I'm training for an Ironman again, and I haven't been doing that. Well, when I go out and run. I'm not singing hallelujah. It hurts. <laughs> it's it's difficult. It's very very hard because I'm forcing my body to do something different. So just know this, as you 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 disengage from sex outside of marriage. And just so you guys know, if you're single, you're all practicing. So this this is what's important, and this is why I think um, sexual restraint is important, even when you're single. Is you're preparing yourself for what you're going to do in marriage. So a lot of people say, well, when I get married, I'm not going to look at porn. Well, what you're going to do is whatever you've been doing, mm-hmm. because you you you. You, you, we're all practicing for something. We're all preparing for something. And so when you stop, I mean, if you, if you go cold turkey on um, um, you know, masturbation or sex outside of marriage, your body's gonna protest for a mm-hmm. while, right? Um, Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the Holy Spirit speaking in us and wanting us to do something. And so you just gotta give yourself s- some grace and some time to figure that out. And also it depends upon your age. I will tell you guys this, it does get better as you age. I am so thankful for the one aspect of aging is that sex is not nearly as big of a challenge for me as a man in my forties as it was in my teenage years, as my twenties and my thirties. So I'm super grateful for that aspect. I mean, actually testosterone levels lower in men as we age. And I think that's why I can think a little more clearly. (laughs) So, um, that's, that's just, that's just the truth. So, so give yourself some grace. Um, you know, you want to really, really be careful of, and again, so that's not to say that if you're constantly having these kinds of dreams, go talk to a psychologist, go, go come into Sandals and, and talk to Soul Care and, and get in a community group with people that you can talk about what's going on. Because a lot of times things that come out in our dreams are things that, you know, are, are suppressed. And so like with my wife's issue with constantly trying to escape our house, when something she's asked me to do our whole marriage is make sure all the doors are locked before I go to bed man, you know, she's just she's just worried about who comes in. I'm like, come in, dude, because I'm going to take you out, man. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll go Rambo. So, uh, or uh, Jason Bourne. I got I to gotta update they, my illustration. Update so I'm going to go Jason Bourne on somebody. <laughs> um, you know, that we're just different. But if I want to make my wife feel secure when she's sleeping, I need to make sure that she knows that the house is locked up and, and things mm-hmm. are good. And so, um, so, so we do need to pay attention to our dreams. Uh, A, God can speak to our dreams, Sometimes our dreams are revealing subconscious, some issues that maybe we're repressing and, and we're not dealing with, but sometimes they're just wacky dreams. Mm-hmm. like They're just weird. Like, I, And everybody has that. So I, I don't think we need to,
1: sometimes you just got to wake up and shake it off and go, wow, that was weird. So Mm-mm. Yeah, if anybody ever breaks into my house in the middle of the night, I'm prepared to go all Macaulay Culkin on them. Mm. <laughs> just some, some paint cans will be flying around the place, hit them with a hot iron. And, Do you think people, uh, our listeners, know who Macaulay Culkin is?
0: Yeah, you went. Like he's like 40. You went between Rambo and Jason Bourne. I'm pretty sure you yeah. just went right down the middle there. Yeah, he's so. like 40
2: years old now.
1: Home Alone is so great.
2: It, uh, it, it, it truly is. You know who made that movie? Hughes. A lot of people don't know that. So he also made think. The Breakfast Club. He did uh, Phil, uh, <coughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He did, huh. oh man, John Hughes pretty is the guys Pink. Guy's name. John
1: Hughes, yeah. Oh, great. Boom. Uncle Buck, one of my favorites. Well, well, welcome back, by the way, all the families listening in your minivan. It's now safe to continue oh, listening. Oh, we forgot to warn you. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Just,
2: I'm just gonna say, I don't think it's. I don't think we should blame people, but I'm pretty sure that's on Stephanie.
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. You know what? Thank you. I was,
2: gonna, I was about to take the blame. From... Every every group has the Holy Spirit, and her name is Stephanie in this group, and she failed. <laughs> yeah. Where were okay, you, well, Dolores? Come through on come that on, one, Dolores.
0: Sorry, I'm still new to the whole parent. Did thing. you <laughs> Did you
1: drop your name, Dolores?
0: I did. I that's kept what happened. My middle name. Yeah. Dolores is there in my heart.
1: Yeah, it makes it easier to travel. Okay, so this yeah. last weekend, let's start debriefing the sermon. This last weekend, you were talking about how Jesus helps us through tough times. And while you were talking about that, you said we need to expect difficulty and shared First Peter four twelve. 12.
0: That's right. And that verse says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. What then should our expectations be about how much suffering and happiness even should be in our lives?
2: Yeah, so I got to tell you, <laughs> you know, so people always say, I can't believe you said that. So like in my sermon... I wanted to say fiery diarrhea so bad because the word fiery as an adjective just makes things powerful. It does. So, but I didn't say that, but all of our debrief listeners got to hear. Oh, I know. I
1: I literally was like, I wanted to say it so bad, but I'm like, oh. I'll tell you who would have appreciated that. Boaz.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Only young boys appreciate poop metaphors. So anyways, oh my gosh, parents crashed the car. I apologize. But so fiery trials. What was the question?
0: What should our expectations be about how much suffering and happiness should be in our lives?
2: Yeah, so let me say this. So we just started our our new small group last night and um, I want to give a shout out to um, just our question writers. So I write the initial questions and we have a team that rewrites Mm -hmm. them. And we just had a great time of sharing. And we have some pretty solid people in our small group who've, who've, uh, uh, some of them gone overseas and been missionaries. And it was just amazing to hear them talk about how shocked they were Mm -hmm. by how hard it was to serve God. Mm -hmm. Like literally- um not knowing if they could make it, and I was just so thankful for them and um because because I, I, I'm just like, man they're they're warriors for Jesus. they were fine and they were sharing their story and how hard it was and literally like it just broke them their first three years on the mission field mm. and um then we start tammy and I started talking about you know our struggle in the church and how hard it's it's been, and I just want to encourage you walk through those questions. They were so fantastic. Mm -hmm. The first question is, you know, what expectations do you have of suffering? And the next one is, are they biblical? And it's just like, boom, straight Mm -hmm. to your heart. So um, I would encourage you to work through those, those small group questions. Even if you're not in a community group, read those questions and talk about them with somebody that you care about, because it really brings out how you feel and what you think. So I would say, what should our expectations be about how much suffering and happiness should be in our lives. Go back and watch our happiness series, uh, mm-hmm. Beyond Happy. And I would say the number one category is you need to be realistic. And so um, I don't think any of us should want a lot of suffering. And I don't think any of us should never want to suffer. We need to be re- realistic. Things that are worth doing are usually hard to do. And that's just the reality. I'll tweet myself there. So, um, so just know that you know, you gotta be realistic. There's probably gonna be some times where being a parent is really, really difficult. And if, you're not, if you haven't thought that, you're probably going to have a really hard time being a parent. Uh, same thing with marriage, and this is why people, um, you know, don't stay married because it's easier to get on. Is it t- tender? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say timber, but it's tender. It's, it's, it's tender. Tender. And you should both be thankful that your pastor doesn't know exactly know. <laughs> what that is. Um, I Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, no, I'm I'm not a cheater. So, uh, you know,
3: Heard so what, what people do
2: is they find they find somebody else <laughs> rather than working on the specific <laughs> issues and you know, that's why affairs don't work because sooner or later, your problems become that person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They just manifest themselves. And so new relationships are exciting and exhilarating at first, but, you know, everybody's a package. Um, everybody is. And so um, guys always say, oh, that girl's the perfect package." Yeah, right. You just don't know her yet. There is no <laughs> perfect package, but everybody's a package of good things and bad things of of how they were raised and what they think. And, and, and so we're all this package. And um, I think relationships are about trying to, you know, say, okay, remind myself, okay, the overall package is great. Here's one specific issue where I got to work on and, or I got to give grace. So I just think be realistic. And um, let me say this, the more that you try to serve God, the harder life is going to be. The devil is going to try to stop everything you do for God. So if, if your life has never been challenging for your faith, you're probably not trying to do anything with your faith. Hmm. So Mm
3: -hmm. that's
2: just, that's just the reality. So um, I'll be praying for you guys but, um you know, there are people all over the world right now, as we speak, that are suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ. and mm-hmm. um, you know, if you've never had to suffer because of your faith, you've probably never stood up your for your faith. so you just you just need to know that. and the world's changing. The world is changing. there judeo christian Christian ideas are literally evaporating from the Western world, and it's being replaced with something that is not Christian at all. so. Yeah.
0: And one of the things I think I really appreciate, I think you hit on this a lot in that Beyond Happy series that you mentioned is that on the other side of that suffering is incredible joy. like the question asking, you know, how much suffering and happiness should we expect? Like there will be suffering, but I think there's also incredible joy in getting to follow Jesus and suffer for him and see what's on the other side of that. Hmm. I know I can tend to think to the side of like, oh, I just need to prepare myself for the worst case scenario. Like God's probably gonna make my life really, really terrible because I chose to follow him and I just need to be okay with that. And it's like, no, like there will be hard things, but God will also do incredible, incredible joyful things on the other side of that suffering and so, I just really appreciated how you, I think, spoke to both of those. In that yeah, story, and so. I think
2: both are, both are important. And if, and again, if if your life is nothing but suffering, that's probably not from God. It's your you need to look mm-hmm. at your personal choices, and you need to look at your personality. You know, again, I've I've had to unfollow a couple people who are constantly blogging about how life is a mess and a disaster, and it's like, look, man, if 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 that's your post for eight months, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you need to take a look at yourself. And so, um, you know, um. You know, I think it's important to say, oh, okay, that person's real. But if it's just over and over and over again, okay,
3: mm-hmm.
2: n- now, now it's time to make some changes because life shouldn't always be hard. I mean, there's, right? So Jesus is going to do one of three things. He's going to change our situation. He's going to change our understanding or he's going to change our direction. So something needs to give. Mm-hmm. And I got news. It's not God. You're the one that needs to give as a worshiper of God. So.
1: Let me ask you this question, and I've got a question about the question, too, afterwards. Samuel says, there are lots of different places in the Bible talking about personal suffering being God's will for our lives. What if we don't feel like we are suffering very much? Is lack of suffering a sign of lukewarm beliefs?
2: Hmm. Well, you know, as I read that question, I, I, I felt like an overwhelming desire for comfort is a sign of being lukewarm, is I think we, we all want to be comfortable. We all want to, to not be, you know, so we want, a lot of people say this, well, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. Um, and so we we feel that way in our marriage, and we feel that way with our kids or our work or uh, our church. And so, you know if if you've come to Sandals Church and nothing I've ever said is has made you uncomfortable, you're probably in the wrong church. you need, you need to be being poked a little bit. Uh, not, not not, you know, overwhelmingly or um, you know, I'm not going to challenge everyone to sell everything and and move to India, but you you need to be challenged about your selfishness <clears throat> and your self-focusedness. So I would just say that, I think that a sign of lukewarmness is just, I want comfort. I want to not suffer at all. And so we need to be careful about that. But I think that, you know, God does use suffering for people who have stepped out in faith and, um, you know, have wanted to do great things. So like, for example, in my 20s, you know, I tore my my left ACL in uh, 1992, rehabbed. Or if you don't know what that is, that's the tendon that holds your knee knee together or something. Yeah. Um, So I tore that playing soccer for California Baptist University. I rehabbed, worked really hard, came back and immediately tore the ACL in my right knee. And Hmm. it's amazing. I'm not a drug addict because I was in so much pain. I can't, I can't describe to you the pain I had from, you know, they got to drill holes in your bones and they cut tendons out of one area and they, they drill them and put them in another. It was, the pain was overwhelming. And I just remember crying out to God, you know, please take this suffering away. It hurts so bad. But um, I know that God was preparing me. He was preparing me, to, you know, long suffering, being able to hang in there when everybody else bails is a Christ-like quality. Mm-hmm. You've got to learn to be able to do that uh, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your church. A lot of people bail. The second things get difficult. You know, when we moved to the Hunter Park campus from Cal Baptist, a thousand people left our church, a thousand. Yeah. Um, and they all said, oh, we just want to be in a church which meets in a gym. Well, what they really wanted to be is in a church that didn't ask for their money. Hmm. So, and, and that's what people say, right? Well, a church just wants the money. Well, what they're really saying is what they love.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, yeah. they people that, people that give to Sounds Church never complain about the money. It's the people that don't.
3: Mm-hmm. That,
2: that's just the reality. I can tell you how many times I've had been pulled aside to receive counsel for someone who gives nothing to the church. It's hmm. just, you know, thank you very much, you know? Hmm. Um,
1: Can I ask you a question about Samuel? The first part of his question says, there are lots of different places in the Bible talking about personal suffering, being God's will for our lives. That's the part I wanted to question. Like, is that true? Like, I I know Uh that the Bible talks about God uh, to expect suffering, that God, you know, that that's part of life, um, that God will use suffering. But is is what Samuel's saying here true that God's will is for me or others to suffer? Right. So
2: the Bible says different things. So Mm -hmm. that's the first time. So... Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11, I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, the plans to give you a future and hope. That doesn't sound like suffering. But the reality is when Jeremiah prophesies that, Israel's suffering. Mm-hmm. They're surrounded by the Assyrian army. Um, literally all of the young men have been killed. So all, all the warriors are dead. Um, young, pretty women are being sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, older women are being sold to work in the fields or uh, just being killed. So... Um, and that's where Jeremiah 29 11 happens. And so, God's ultimate will for your life is to bless you. Oftentimes, suffering is how God gets us in a position to where He can bless us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as a parent, I've learned that, that as, a, as, as I love my kids, I have to allow them to suffer so they don't suffer worse later. And I think a lot of parents make the mistake of they don't want their kids to ever go through anything hard or difficult, and what they're really doing is they're preparing them for a life of misery. Mm. So you need you need to allow your kids to experience consequences, um, to experience loss. Um, you know, um, you know, even even simple things like losing a pet. Those are great teaching moments about the brevity of life, the need to love, um, grief. Those are those are learning opportunities, and you don't want to shield your kids from that, but give them an appropriate level of experience with that. You know, every time your kid makes a mistake, don't swoop in and fix it all because that, that doesn't happen in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's what a loving parent does. A loving parent allows children to experience consequences. And at times, if, if there's a lack of obedience there, there's actual discipline. And so mm-hmm. those, are, those are two things. Uh, one is the suffering <laughs> specifically that I think the Bible talks about is trying to, preach the gospel to a world who hates God and all that's good. Right. That's that's just a part of it, right? We're we're preaching news that people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that that I'm a sinner, that that if I don't hear, literally this is the sin of this age. People don't want to hear that I'm a sinner and if I don't do what you say your God wants me to do, I'm going to hell. And they they literally like forget that. Who are you? I mean, it's literally we're we're preaching uphill. We're, we're, and so that's the suffering that we face. Who am I to say what I believe marriage is supposed to be? Who am I um, to teach that men uh, generally speaking should be the leader in the home, right? Those are that's offensive words. Um, and we didn't have a whole talk on that because I use the word generally uh, very, very carefully because <laughs> uh, not all men are capable of leading. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I just think that there, there there's there's persecution there for standing up for what we believe God's truth is so I think that's part of it and God's will is that we would suffer for what's right
3: mm. right
2: so sure. that's that's his will. you need to be willing to suffer for what's right so that's his will but I don't think his overwhelming will is for us to suffer His right. will is for us to be saved and to be blessed for all eternity. so you just have to be really 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 careful uh, with that statement so um you know and 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 we have to look at when we use the word will in the Bible like there's God's will for everyone and then there's God's will for your life specific life and so, you know, what is God doing um, throughout the world? And then what is God doing specifically within you? And those are two different movements. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that's what a great parent does, right? The, the great father leads his family and deals with children individually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. but I, I hear you, it's a tough one.
1: Yeah.
0: So this next question comes in from Christian. She says, in this weekend's message, you mentioned a very well-known verse from 2 Corinthians, where God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So she asks, when do we know what is a weakness and what is sin? What's the difference? How do I know when I need to stop doing something and when I'm just going to continue to struggle because I'm human and being human is hard?
2: Right, so I'm I'm gonna answer um, your verse with a verse out of 1 Corinthians 6, uh, chapter 12. Uh, Paul says, you say, I am allowed to do anything so we have a lot of freedom in our relationship with God. We're not, we're not, um, you know, a religion that's all about rules, but we're about a relationship. He says, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, he says I must not become a slave to anything. And I, I think that, that that's the key: is when am I doing something that has power over me? Um, so you know, even like say sex in inside the context of heterosexual marriage, God says that's a good thing. When it's controlling you, it's not a good thing. Mm. Um, and so you have to watch that even, um, within the context of marriage, we have to be willing to, to be close and to be apart, to be close and to be apart. And so, um, we have to make sure that even within the context, we don't become addicted to, to anything. And that's what it means to be a slave. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, a glass of wine or a beer is okay, unless it has power over you. Um, and some things have power over you more quickly. That's why I don't think that you can look at pornography in moderation, it instantaneously has power over most yeah. people, and and immediately leads them into sin. So, um, you know, I think that it's it's much easier to have a glass of wine and not sin than it is to view pornography and not sin. Although some people, as particularly women, are able to view it and be like, "That's gross," and moving on. It's very very challenging for men to view that and not be um, uh, sexually aroused and then led into sin. So, I, I think that you just really have to look at it. Is so? Her question specifically was, or was it his question? Uh, her, Hers, her, okay, yeah. Um, when is it a sin? That's something that needs to be dealt with in community with people that know their Bible and know you, and you need to just bring it to the group and say, "Here's here's what I'm worried about," and this is why authentic community is so important because you need to a have people who know the Bible because a lot of people don't know the Bible. I mean, they don't know the Bible, and so they just give you their opinion, and you know, opinions are useless when it comes to following God. So you need people that know the Bible, and you need people that know you and can ask questions to kind of figure out you know, where it is, because it's really hard for us, I think, to be real about what's really going on. Like, for example, uh, let's say I have a friendship with a woman at work. Uh, I would probably share it like, well, I kind of feel like, you know, and I would beat around the bush rather than saying, I'm really concerned that I'm connecting with this person in an immoral way, Mm -hmm. right? Those are two different conversations. And typically when people confess sin to me, they come at it from the, I'm probably not sinning, but Mm -hmm. rather than the, Man, I really think I'm blowing it. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you need community that's like, yeah, get away from that, run from that. You know, don't don't have anything to do with that. Um, you know, circle the wagon time. So I think community is really really important. And then biblical truth. What does the Bible have to say about what you're doing? Because the Bible doesn't speak to everything, but it does speak to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So read it, understand it. W- w- you know, what what does it say? Um, and, and that's how we learn to know the difference. And also, you have to remember, Christian. Um, that as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so what the Holy Spirit does is when we sin, there's there's almost like a spiritual sick feeling that's inside of you. And you'll learn this as you grow in your relationship with God. Things that you once did, you won't feel right about anymore. And the Holy Spirit will continue. So as God takes control of your life, he's going to push things out of your life. And you're gonna be like, oh man, I used to do that. And it never bothered me. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But all of a sudden it does. All of a sudden, you know, I I can't partake in this anymore. I I, I feel bad about what I'm doing, and um, God's Spirit is going to speak to you. And so here's the thing that I would say: the Bible says this. Let me give you a verse: "To him to whom it is sin, you shouldn't do it. You have to be honest to your own conscience." And so that's why, um, you know, like my mom just does not feel good about alcohol. She just doesn't feel good about mm-hmm. it. And so I, I I think for her, she should not partake in it. It's just not it's not okay because she feels like it's a violation and and maybe it is for her and rather than you know Christians coming around and browbeating people who don't drink well you should you're not living in your freedom it's like whoa the holy spirit can speak to every individual i mean i had one of my good friends tell me this he said when he drinks he doesn't hear the holy spirit
3: hmm.
2: so what's more important hmm. hearing the holy spirit and uh you know which is interesting because there's a thing called the Nazarite vow in the Old Testament, which is when people yeah. are set apart set apart for the service service of God, and one of the things that they were never to do was to drink alcohol.
3: Hmm.
2: And, and the Bible speaks, you know, that alcohol is a gift from God; it's a blessing of God; it's given to make us joy, have joy, and experience joy. But Nazarites were not supposed to drink. Hmm. So sometimes God speaks to you and says, "Okay, this is not for you. Th- th- this issue is not for you." And some, for some of us, that's sugar. For some of us, it's a television program. I mean, it can be all kinds of things. Like my wife can watch programs on TV that they're just not good for me. They're Mm -hmm. just not, um, you know, and, and, and vice versa. I can watch things that just are not good for her. You know, it just doesn't, it's not good for her. And so again, what I think we don't know what sin is. Sin doesn't just mean evil. Sin literally means everything that misses the mark. That, that, that's what it, what it means. Um, Oh man, I, I want to pronounce it in the Greek. Uh, I believe it's, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it because I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, but we were, we were actually watching that movie together last week, No Fault in Our Star or The Fault in Our Stars. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, the the female character who has cancer in the movie, she has a slogan for life and it's actually the Greek word for sin. And I think it's har- hamartia, huh. hamartia, hamartia, I hamartia. Hamartia,
1: I, I remember you said it before.
2: Yeah, I, 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 it's sure. Yeah. I need to go back and actually look at it. And I don't have it in front of me, but the English spelling begins with H A M H A R M. So, but it means sin. And what it means is to miss the mark. And so it's an archery term where you're shooting at a target and no matter how much skill you have, you never hit the bullseye perfectly. Mm. And that's what sin is, is sin is missing the mark. And so you need to not just ask yourself, you know, is this evil? You need to ask questions like this. Is it wise? Is it good for me? Um is this, is this going to grow and enhance my faith? And if it's not, don't do it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Don't do it because it's gonna cause you to sin. And so sin is a very, very precise movement away from what you know God has called you to live out perfectly in your life. And so that's where legalism comes from. So what churches do is they try to protect everybody and they build up all these laws and regulations. And the problem with that is they regulate behavior and they don't deal with the heart. And so that's why you, know, you have... Catholic priests who have taken a vow of celibacy who end up having sex with a boy that's working, you know, in the church, right? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I would much rather have church leadership that has an avenue for sex, um, you know, rather than getting a bunch of guys that are full of guilt with some feelings that are unhealthy and they know that are immoral, right? And 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 it tends to come out in a very very awful, ugly way. And so I think that. You know, it's just it's just so important that we don't allow ourselves, you know, I had this I had this conversation with a young man that I thought might be a pedophile. This is probably, I don't know, five or six years ago at our church. And there was nothing that he had done with a kid, but there were he was crossing boundaries. And what I said was, look, I, I I'm not saying that you're a pedophile. I'm just saying if you might be, you need to draw a big fat circle around children and you need to avoid them for the rest of your life because mm. you will do damage to the child and to your own soul mm. if you cross that line. The person left the church didn't like what I had to say. Mm. Um you know because police job is to investigate crimes, my job is to shepherd sheep. Mm. And so there hadn't been a crime, but I was I'm like, "Bro, I'm really uncomfortable with how close you're getting and and I've asked you to do these things. So I'm going to draw a big circle around that." So like when we had JC's girls, a ministry uh, you know, uh, we had people from our church go to porn conventions, strip clubs. I I never went to any of those things because of my growing up with pornography. It was not good for me, and so um, some people could go and it's not a problem. It was it was a, it was a challenge for me, and so I didn't go. So I, I drew a line around that for myself. So th- that's what I would encourage you to do: is um, make sure that you are careful to not sin, and so the question I think most Christians ask is how close can I get to sin without sinning? And that's the wrong question. Right. The answer is, how close can I get to godliness? Right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we need to draw the line on another side and say, how close can I get to God? Um, um, because all of us have darkness, you know, and, um, um, and your issue, praise God probably isn't pedophilia, but for some people that's their vice, mm-hmm. that's their deal. And they need to protect children from their own passions and twisted desires. That that's just the truth. So, um, you know, um, and sometimes, unfortunately, being a pastor, you hear the ugliest sides of people. Mm. Mm. Um, but that's what you know. Being <clears throat> a pastor means is you 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 take confession, and it's sometimes so. Hopefully, yeah. I didn't overwhelm people, but um, you know, that's the truth. Don't try to figure out how close you can get to sin without sinning. Draw the line on the other side and try to figure out how close you can be to God mm. um, without becoming overly religious and, you know, a line drawer and constantly judging people because that's what people tend to do when they go the other way. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Well, more, more for your minivan right there. <laughs> yeah,
2: wow. <laughs> Let's
1: keep talking. Uh, in the Welcome sermon this to the <laughs> family car crash brought to you by the debrief. <laughs> in the sermon this week, uh, and then actually Claude talked about this in his message to kick off the Fit series, you both mentioned that we should prepare for tough times. So what are some practical ways we can do that?
2: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, so is anytime something's <laughs> tough is just accept it. Mm. So- anything that is difficult is an opportunity to grow. No matter what it is, so he has an opportunity to grow because what God is trying to call you to do is he's, ca- he's calling you to leave your old life and take on your new life, which is a difficult process. So I don't care I don't care what it is, anything that's hard, you can grow spiritually in. So if, if it's a difficult thing, just say, okay, I'm going to push through this because spiritual training is teaching the body that the spirit is in control. That, that's what it means is I am not gonna listen to my body I'm not gonna to listen to what it wants. And, and, and cause the body right wants to sit on a lazy boy. The body wants to indulge. The body, the body wants to you know, take care of itself always. And so I need to be led spiritually. And so um, we don't wanna be led by our nature, but we wanna be led by our spirit. And mm-hmm. so it's just constantly listening to that. And the spirit is going to ask us to do difficult things. Like Jesus said, <clears throat> the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we have to learn to teach ourselves to be led by the spirit, which is, you know, in Paul's or in uh, Claude's message, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days, you know, after he fasted. So, right, the Holy Spirit was leading him to be tempted in this way. And he prepared for 40 days, spiritually saying no to the body so that he could say no to his desires when the devil physically tempted him. Mm
1: -hmm. So. So Alice says, how do I know that God is with me through in those tough times?
2: Right, so here's the thing is I feel like we don't always feel God when we're going through it, but we see God after we come out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really, really important for anyone who's going through something right now. And again, for those of you who have a friend that's going through something, I think it's pretty normal for people to not see God in the midst of suffering. But after you come out of it, you look back and you go, Oh, Mm -hmm. that's where God was. Mm -hmm. And so I very rarely saw God in the midst of my suffering but I saw him everywhere afterwards. You know, the old um, the old poem, Footprints? Where yeah, were yeah, you, yeah. God, when I was all alone? And because yeah. he looks and, and at the most difficult times in his life, there's only one set of footprints. Mm-hmm. And he says, Jesus, where were you? And Jesus says, those were the moments I carried you. And, but the wisdom of that poem is life is already over and he's looking back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's when we see and experience the power of God. And so what we see and experience when we're suffering is the power of pain. Mm-hmm it's after we come through that, that we see the power of God. And so we just need to know that. So here's what we have to rely on. Um, It's Alice, right? Yep. So Alice, let me give you a couple of scriptures. We have to rely on God's word. We can't rely on how we feel because I'm not always going to feel God. Right. So I have to rely on God's word. So Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you had have for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. So, so even if I don't feel God, God is there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, that's faith, that's walking by faith. God, I don't feel you, God, I don't see you, God, I don't understand you, but I know you're here and I'm trusting you. That's faith. And that hurts, that's, that hurts. Uh, John 14, six, Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. That's the Holy Spirit and he will never leave you. He'll never leave you, he'll, he'll be with you to the end of the age. And so we have to trust scripture over our feelings. And um, that's a difficult issue in every area of life. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But it's God's word versus your word every single day. Mm -hmm. So in my word, this is how I feel. God's word is, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between feelings and faith. They're different. And part of being a Christian is learning to say no to your feelings. Mm -hmm. It just is. Because when we act on our feelings, right? A lot of us end up in prison. (laughs) It just is, right? So, I mean, typically when a woman is horrifically murdered, do you know what they call it?
1: passion of of, crime of passion passion of crime right passion of crime
2: yeah it's a crime of passion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know why do we know that oj simpson was guilty because only disgruntled lovers cut their wife's head off (laughs) that's like not a normal behavior for just joe schmo it's typically some insane person who's operating according to their heart and their Mm -hmm. feelings right and that's what the world says follow your heart well Mm -hmm. the bible says your heart is wicked Mm-hmm. and who can tell the depths of its wickedness? So you got to trust God's word over how you feel. And so if I feel like getting divorced, or I feel like having sex, or I feel like cheating, or I feel like lying, I have to trust that God knows what's best for me. Mm-hmm. It's not just its not just what God wants me to do, but it's actually the right thing to do. And it's actually the best thing to do for my life. It's the best thing to do. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the world says that, and think, of, when's the last time you went to a movie where you see passionate lovemaking between a married couple?
1: Uh, it's like never.
2: Yeah, It's never. Nowhere in our culture is there romantic, passionate love displayed between married people. It's always an affair. It's before or something else. You know what psycholo- sex, sex psychologists show and hmm. say? Married couples have more and better sex. It's like tenfold than single people. Hmm. It's not even comparable. Why? Because there's safety. There's love, there's understanding, and it's way, way better. Well, why would God call us to that? Because that's the best for you. The best thing for you is that when you're in your most vulnerable state and you give yourself to someone, they've given themselves completely to you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, right? I mean, so the world the world gets it wrong every single
1: time. Every single time. I wonder if maybe we should use the bell today for minivan moments instead <laughs> of just anyone really good tweetable stuff. I anyone still
0: trying to listen with their kids in the car...
1: Yeah, is so. doing so at their
0: own risk. I'm pretty sure most of our yeah, you might be sending get the kids out. out of the car. So. <laughs> I would say too, uh, you know, going on the same vein with what we were saying earlier. I feel like in addition to hindsight, I feel like community is another great place to have people in our lives who can point us to what God's doing in the middle of those tough times right. when suffering and pain is overwhelming, and or you're having hard times. I know I've had several times like that where I'm overwhelmed by how I feel or what's going on. Mm-hmm. Having other people speak in and go like, I don't, I don't think that's what you think it is, or actually, I see God doing this in your life. Do you like, do you notice that this is what I think God is doing through this and having community to speak into it, I think is so huge too. Yeah. So you don't even have to wait until you look back. I would ask the people around you who know and love God and love you. I bet they would be able to start yeah. to point to some of those things while you're in the midst of it. So, which is actually really interesting. This next question comes from anonymous and she says, my husband is in a rough place right now, physically and emotionally, and he's stopped coming to church and he won't reach out to groups or our campus pastor for guidance. He says he's having trouble being around people. How can I help him through this tough time?
2: Yeah, it's tough. So guys, in particular struggle with community, honesty, and openness. We're just not, we're we're just not good at relationships. Um, you know, typically women don't need a reason to gather. Guys do. So he's just going through a tough time. Um, so let me just read to you Proverbs 18.1. I think this is a good verse to to um, at some at an appropriate time share with him. It says, "Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire." and he breaks out against all sound judgment. Hmm. So actually what he's doing is he's making his situation worse. Hmm. Um, And so um, what I would encourage you to do is figure out um, how to best love him. So guys don't respond to nagging, they respond to love. So how as a wife can you love him and then pray to God for an opportunity to speak truth to him? Hmm. And it's gotta be, you know it's not just how you speak, but it's when you speak. When is the best time to communicate how you're feeling or what's going on? And, um, you know, rather than guilting him, I really wish you'd go to church. You want to say things like this. I just love it when you come to church with me. I love it when we surf together. I feel right. See what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. different than you're falling away from God. And, and I don't think you're being uh, dishonest or disgenuine. You're just approaching the correction from the position of love rather than judgment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause the truth is it probably does make her very, very sad because, um, there's a growing gap between them spiritually, which causes a problem in your marriage. So, um, you know, and, and maybe start somewhere like with counseling. Um, sometimes people get on my nerves too. So I don't always want to be around a bunch of people either. So I understand that, but isolation over time makes things worse, not better. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are the hardest to help in our, in our church are the ones that are the most isolated. And TV is not community. Blogging is not community. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, that's not community. It, it, it's, it's a pseudo community that actually makes you feel more desperate, more alone, more isolated, more of a loser. That's what it does. Oh, look at all the fun that everybody else is having, and I'm stuck here you know, alone and desperate. And so uh, I just would encourage you to reach out to real community. And for guys, the best way to find community is through service. That's the, that's the best way. We're going to do something. We don't have to share anything. We're just going to do something. Um, and then maybe through those friendships – find a group. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, ultimately God's will for your husband's life is that he would not be alone. And, you know, again, he doesn't need a wife telling him what to do. He needs other men speaking into his life as we all do. I mean, uh, we are different genders and that affects how we see things and interpret things. And so um, the best way to deal with a man is with a man. That's just the reality. So I'll be praying for you. And and my heart breaks for your husband, whatever's going on. And I I hope and pray that uh, he can find healing. And I believe that Um, God wants that in his life. And so just keep praying and keep loving him.
1: So we have two more questions about dealing with suffering. This one comes from Angelina. She says, when someone dies, people always say it was their time. How can that be true? What about when a child dies or someone in the middle of a creative, uh, of a creative life and something tragic happens? I always thought God wanted the best, longest, most fruitful life for all of us. Can you give me your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. So um, again, Christians say a lot of dumb things. So, (laughs) Uh, and I think when it comes to death, nobody knows what to say. So we, we live in a culture that ignores death, um, doesn't embrace death and is shocked by death. Um, yeah. that, that's just our culture. And so that's a fairly new phenomenon. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, h- half of uh, American children died, you know, before the age of five right. through some kind of disease. Women died, a great deal of women. I don't, I don't know the actual statistic, but it's over 35% died in childbirth. Um, it was just a very, very hard time. Uh, in the West- the average age was 35. So think about that, California, Arizona, uh, Oregon, Utah, the average age was 35 years old, that's when you died. It was just a really, really difficult place in America not that long ago. So now we live in a culture where we feel like everybody's supposed to live to be 110 years old and have this great long life. And and that's just not the reality. So there's a bunch of scriptures that I think that will be helpful. I think the most helpful verse for me personally is Job 14.5. And it says this, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed the, his limits that he cannot pass. And I, I think that's important. I think that what God's, what, when God lays out the days of our life before we begin, I think there's a limit. Hmm. So there's a limit genetically, like you and I have different genetics based upon different families. So, right. so some families live a long time. Like my wife's family on her side, there's not many that make 70. My side of the family, you know, it's pretty shocking if you don't hit 90. Hmm. It's, just, it's just a different genetic makeup. And so, um, you know, you can eat well and exercise right, but the reality is there's, there's a limit to the amount of life that you can live. So here's, I think some really, really helpful passages. Um, in, in Kings, uh, the book of first Kings, it says this, if you walk in my, command, in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. So I think that there's a, like, let's say, let's say God has ordained that you have 120 years. Um, that's yeah, that's a long. Well, actually the Bible says that that's the, the longest that a man can live after a certain event happens in the oh. book of Genesis. Um, so I think that God can extend our days. So that's right, right? It can be our, our time and you can go to God and God can extend your life. Like he does King Hezekiah. He extends King Hezekiah's life 15 years. It's an extension. Nobody lives forever. You're gonna die at some point so um next verse uh proverbs 10 seven the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but years of the wicked will be shortened why when you live stupid sinful way you're going to die early that's just a reality um, you know we keep losing all of these great creative artists but the reality is we're losing them early because of the life they've lived
3: mm-hmm.
2: right i don't I don't want to be uncompassionate but when you when you live like a rock star you die like one
3: mm-hmm.
2: that's just the reality last night tammy and I were watching the story of River Phoenix. He was a huge actor when we were kids. He's actually, would be the same age as me. Hmm. So he died at 22 years old. Um, and he was super famous in the early nineties. And he OD- he died by uh, needling heroin and smoking cocaine. Mm-hmm. That kills most people. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the lifestyle that he was living. And yet it, his life was all too short. So I don't believe that it was his time. I believe that he lived a wicked life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And- The the choices that he made ultimately ended his life. So we we need to we need to think about that that it's not just all fate. Your decisions actually matter. So here's two verses to think about. um, You know, when people say you know a child dies, well, it was their time. So here's Isaiah thirty eight twelve. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. Listen to these words. It has been cut short, as when a weaver cuts cloth from a loom. Suddenly, my life was over. So the Bible talks about um, a life being cut short, specifically, guess whose life was cut short? Listen to this verse, Isaiah 53, eight. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, Hmm. but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people.
3: Hmm.
2: Jesus didn't live out the number of his days. So his body could have lived longer, but his life was cut short Mm -hmm. because not of his sin, but of the sin of people. So um, Psalms 31, 15, but my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who per- persecute me. So th- the thing I love about this Psalm is it indicates both. Look, my life is in God's hands. And yet the very person that's praying, my the number of my days is totally in your control, God, is saying, <laughs> God, make sure that I live out the number of those days. He says, deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. So what he's saying is, is I want to live out the number of my days. And so... Again, we need to be really, really careful. God is in control. And yet he allows somehow our decisions to have a controlling factor in the number of our days. It just does. And so we need to be really, really careful that we don't blame God every time somebody does something wicked, stupid, or evil. You know, a couple of years ago, we had an event here at the Hunter Park campus on a Friday night, and uh, it was horrible. Um, the event ended at about midnight. You guys probably don't even know this story, but the parents came looking for their kids. Oh, yeah. And uh, we couldn't find their kids. And you know, Sandals is a a large church. And what we discovered is they never checked in. Mm. So their grandmother picked them up and was bringing them to an event here on the church. And they were all killed by a drunk driver down the street.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And so the parents were very mad at God. God didn't choose to go get drunk. God didn't choose to get in a car. Those decisions caused a very real very real consequence and killed a grandma on two beautiful young seventh grade girls mm-hmm. They died. It was horrible,
3: yeah
2: I don't believe that was their time. I believe their life was cut short by the sin of someone else, and so mm-hmm. that's why it's really, really important you know um uh, people are so quick to say God's in control of everything they actually make him this really evil guy mm-hmm. and so so yes. You know, even, even when God pronounces judgment on Israel, right? These bad things are going to happen to you. He sends prophets to warn them. Like God's always willing to change the plan. Mm-hmm. Always willing. So he sends prophet after prophet after prophet. You guys got to turn. If you, if you would just turn back, if you would just stop doing this, this doesn't have to happen. Well, it does. So was it God's will to, to, to just judge them and destroy Israel? No, no. Jeremiah twenty eleven. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and to hope. God's intent is to bless, but he's not going to allow Israel to continue to live like Canaan. And mm-hmm. that's what they do. And, um, you know, uh, and by Canaan, I mean the, the wicked people that surrounded them. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, they say, well, how could a loving God call the Israelites to kill all the people in the land of Canaan? Because they sacrificed babies
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the promised land. They sacrificed their children to the god of Molech. They threw babies into fire pits. You know what God's saying? You don't. You, you don't try to convert those people. Those people need to be punished for what they've done to their children. Hmm. They worship Baal. They worship Asherah, right? So uh, this is a good moment, parents, to turn it off the program. <laughs> but an Asherah pole is a giant penis. That's what it is. There you go. I, I, I'm assuming that if you worship a gigantic penis, you're probably going to be a little immoral. Right, likely. Okay, Baal is the same thing. Sex god. I'll give it to you. Baal is a sex god. There's always been this ch- this challenge between unbridled sexual desires and following God. Those two things have always been against each other, and um, you know, uh, it's only recently that culture is trying to say, "Well, these sexual sins aren't sins."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, mm-hmm. anyways, I, I think there's. I think the Bible has a lot to say about. Um, both that our days are ordained by God and numbered by God and that those times can be cut short and that we are blessed when we live out the full number of our days. And so I think God wants people to live a long, healthy, and happy life. That's why the commandments like honor your father and mother is the first commandment that comes with a promise. If you do this, your days will be long. Mm. What that means is there are consequences for being a dishonorable child.
3: Mm.
2: And we have to learn how to honor our parents. So that command has a promise. If you do this, you're going to live longer. So. Yeah.
0: All right. So this last question um, on the topic of suffering, we have one little off topic question we're going to get to at the end here, but it's from anonymous. And she says, my daughter was born with a facial malformation that has caused so many delays in her life. I've learned so much from her about life, unconditional love, and ultimately she is what brought me closer to God and is why I seek him. But my heart still hurts. How do I overcome this pain?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you do. I think you become like God. I mean, God loves disfigured, disabled children, and He Mm. loves us to the very end. Um, You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of things about your daughter that you're going to have to learn in the next life. And that's just Mm -hmm. the reality because so much of who she is um, is limited because of her disability. So, one of the first things that Jesus does as He walks on earth is He heals disabilities over and over again, he heals the deaf. He heals the dumb. He heals mm-hmm. the blind. Those are the things that he does. He makes things right. Um, and so there's aspects of your daughter's personality that we're going to get to enjoy forever, uh, on the, in the new heaven and the new earth, because she's going to be able to communicate things and express things. Mm. Um, and so really her life in this life is really about you and learning to love. And I think, I think that, um, you know, God is good. So, so why does a good and just God allow suffering? And so we go back to the sermon this last week so that the work of God can be seen in you. And here's the beauty of disabled children and people is I think it causes all of us to be better. So I have three kids, none of my, my kids are disabled. And when I see another parent whose job to care and love that child, they're just better in so many ways than I am. And it humbles mm-hmm. me that my children are healthy And whole in that way. I also think that disabilities bring out things in us that need to come out love, compassion, mercy. Um, And, um, you know, we need to be made aware. You know, Europe, as it moves further and further away from God, um, they're talking about mandatory abortions for disabled children. And um, it's one of the first things that Hitler did. We got to get rid of the weaker, we got to get rid of the ones who aren't perfect in every way. And uh, that's evil. And I think that we need disabled children in our lives. We need them in our lives. We are blessed by their presence because they help us. Mm -hmm. They make us better. And uh, they bring something out in us that is not brought out in in any other way. And again, God's in it for the long haul and he's in it for the big picture. And um, for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has chosen, probably most of our listeners uh, are not disabled, but what he has called us Is to serve these people in a unique and powerful way, and to love them. And um, you know, I think about this. uh, You know, we have some, we we have a lot of people with disabilities in our church. But you know, there's one girl. um, I on Saturday nights, she's. um, I'm not sure exactly what all of her challenges are, but it's some version of autism. But whenever she likes something I say, she um, makes like a like a bird noise, and her Mm -hmm. our parents are always trying to hush her because you know it's distracting to other people and all that. And at first I think it bothered me. And then I just thought, man, Mm -hmm. she is in her own way affirming what she's hearing. And I'm sure God is pleased Mm
3: -hmm. with whatever
2: gesture or noise that she can make. And so it touches my heart that she cares, you know, uh, Saturday night, I got to be out in the lobby at the Hunter Park campus and, um, um, I, I, you know, I don't want to be unpolitically un- correct, so I don't know what the correct term is. But the the boy, she said, had autism, and I think some type of uh, mental retardation. I, I know that's not the word that you're supposed to use, but that was his challenge. But she said he loves coming to Sandals, and he loves hearing you preach, and he wants to meet you. Mm. And I said, absolutely, mm. absolutely. And um, I, I just thought, how awesome is that? That he enjoys coming to church, and he appreciates, um, you know, that. And so I, I think that you know. Parents with children of disabilities need to be aware of others that, that there are lost people. Um, you know, same, I would just encourage all of our listeners put your kid in, in children's ministries because screaming kids make it difficult. This week, when one of the prayers says, I'm praying a, a prayer of blessing, someone was murdering their child in the audience. I don't know what was happening, but the kid was like just dying. And so we, we, need, we need to think about each other more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I prefer having my kid in the worship center, but if your kid is a distraction to everybody else, so, so there's a give and take there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's why we have special needs ministries at South Church because mm-hmm. there's such beautiful, beautiful um, people that bring out such special things in us. And so mm-hmm. we're very, very thankful for them. And we need to pray for those parents because their job never ends. And then oftentimes there's there's heartache over what happens when they die, who will take care of their adult child with disabilities. and that's it's yeah. a, a real issue. So um, I'll be praying for you but I don't think that you will get over completely the suffering and the heartache and the hurt in this life. It's, it's awful to watch a child suffer. It's why, mm-hmm. it's why when Jesus paid the penalty for you on the cross, it broke God's heart. Mm-hmm. So it broke God and his son to bring you and God together. That, that's what it took. That's yeah. the level of pain it took to heal the relationship. So I'll be praying for you.
0: Yeah. And if you are a parent of a child who has special needs, we have um, special services for those kids. I think almost every single one of our campuses. We'll throw the uh, link to their email. I think it's just Friends at sandalschurch.com. Mm-hmm. We'll throw that in the show notes for this episode. Because I know there's a lot of parents out there who probably don't, come to church or don't sit in service. They may watch from home because they are worried about bringing their kids here. We want you to be able to come to church. We want you to be able to have you know an hour where you get to just focus on God and we will take care of your kids. We have people who are trained, who are parents of special needs kids themselves who help out in that. We would love to serve you in that way. So if you're interested in that, check out the show notes for this episode at debrief.show 95. We'll make sure to throw some of those resources in there for you.
2: Right. And again, I didn't mean to use a word that's offensive. I know that that word is offensive to somebody, but um, that I use. I'm just not sure what the yeah. current term is. So, you know,
1: last night I met, um, the son of, uh, somebody who's on our staff for the first time. And I didn't know this. Her son was autistic. And I just, it was so, he was so sweet and happy mm-hmm. and beautiful. It was great. And then I watched him go out onto the map to train in martial arts. It was so cool to watch him. He was focused. He was present in mm-hmm. ways I never like am, you know, yeah. I was really inspired by that just by watching him just for, ten minutes, you know, is beautiful. So all right, here is our very last question. Uh, it comes from Elena, a little bit off topic here. Uh, it says this past weekend you asked us to raise our hands to bless this cr- I love this question. This lady is bold and makes me so happy. <laughs> this past weekend, you asked us to raise our hands to bless the pastors from the San Bernardino uh, from the San Bernardino campus. Sorry I was gonna say Chris, Pastor Chris, what's up? I noticed some people did not raise their hands. and when I asked why, which is how cool is that, by yeah. the way? How cool is that? When I asked why, their response was, who are we to bless others? Only God can do that. How should I have responded to them?
2: Yeah, well, you know, they're wrong. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, there's, there's, there's no easy way to say it. So many times, what we believe in Christianity is simply a reaction to another faith. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, Protestants, which that's what Sandals Church is, are in reaction to Catholics. Okay. And so, in a Catholic church, right, the bishop or the priest will bless you. And so, what you do is you throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so, there are some aspects of Catholicism that just aren't healthy or biblical, just as there are in every uh, movement of God, because none of us are perfect. But there's beautiful things. And so, one of the things that I think Protestant Christians say or non Catholic <laughs> Christians say is only God blesses. Well, let me just, you know, read you some verses. So, Luke 24 50. Jesus led them out to Bethany, lifting up his hands. He blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted. So Jesus blesses. You He said, well, he's God. Okay. Genesis 48, nine, Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me. And he said, bring them here to me that I may bless them. Exodus 39, Moses saw the work and behold that they had done it. And it's actually, by the way, creative team, the creative work that they had done. Mm -hmm. And the Lord commanded, so they had done it. And then Moses blessed them. So he blessed the artists. Joshua 22, Joshua blessed the entire congregation of Israel. Um, um, There's just, oh, I just go. I don't want to keep reading. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Aaron in the Bible lifts up his hands toward the people and he blessed them. Um, Simeon in the gospel uh, blessed Mary, Joseph, and Jesus as Jesus was appointed. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 9 says this, do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults. When people insult you instead, pay them back with the blessing. So not only are we to bless God's people, we're to bless our enemies. Uh, and the same thing is repeated in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. So it's actually a commandment. So we're mm. we're actually commanded to bless somebody when they've hurt us. So th- this person is, is just wrong. Uh, a blessing is something that's beautiful. It is something that's powerful, and I haven't even actually read any of the blessings in Scripture. I mean, they're actual yeah, yeah. blessings. I mean, they begin with these words: "May the Lord bless you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you." May I mean, and so why is that verse in there? It's in there to be read to others. That's why it's there. I mean, it's it's we we don't just make up a blessing. We read it and we do it over others, and that's something that's really really important. And uh, our next series is actually called "Blessed." Um, or, or um, we haven't decided on the, on the actual name, but that's what it's about. It's about being blessed. And, you know, I, I just think it's sad. what that What that really reveals in the heart of a person is they're saying, I don't wanna participate in what God is doing. And that just breaks my heart. What it really reveals is A, biblical ignorance, but B, stubbornness. And mm-hmm. that's not a good quality. I mean, why wouldn't you want to participate in praying for and saying a blessing over this couple that's going to go to San Bernardino and they're going to try a new work of God. Is that not blessed? <laughs> so, so um, you know, and, and and what we do as Christians is this is, important. We are God's ambassadors. We represent him. And so we can bless people just yeah. as God blesses them. And we can pray for people just as, you know, um, Jesus prays for people, and we can. We even have the power to forgive when people confess their sins. We can say you're forgiven. We can say those words in the name of Jesus, and that's powerful because we've been given that authority by Christ as followers of Christ. And so that's not just something that a bishop does, or something that a priest does, or something that a pastor does. It's actually something that fathers should do to their families. Uh, If you're a single mom, you should do it to your families. We should bless our children. We should bless our friends. We should bless marriages. We should bless our church. Uh, we can ask the Lord to bless our home. Lord bless this home, make it a beautiful place. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing saying, God, we want your power, your presence, your energy, you know, your spark. We want it to be on this place. And, and that's what it means. And so I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and just know a lot of Christians are wrong about a lot of stuff and it's just, <laughs> it's just sad. And so, um, you know, go to the Bible. What what does the Bible say? And so, I mean, I've read you what, eight scriptures? Yeah. Eight specific scriptures. And I haven't even read actual blessings. So, um, you know, and and the apostle Paul, just to close with this, says to the church, I can't wait to come to you to receive, listen to this, a double blessing. Mm. Mm. And he's not being just like figurative. He's actually gonna come and pray a prayer of blessing over the church. And they are gonna pray a prayer of blessing over him. And that's what you do in Catholic mass. The priest prays a prayer of blessing over the congregation and the congregation prays one back to the priest. It goes both ways. Yeah. And so uh, we need to understand that. So anyways, you
1: know, have grace for people. Um, you know, all of us are wrong somewhere. We just don't know where we're wrong. Mm. well there you go there's episode 95 this one's not for the minivan uh we hope you did enjoy it though uh if you guys want to support the show we are so grateful for those of you that do you can mm-hmm. simply do that by texting give 951 to nine hundred forty one twenty. 4120 and if you want to give some cashola help us out here uh continuing and furthering the vision of sandals church bringing this podcast and many more great things to you including episode 100 which is coming up in a couple of weeks february what
0: 26th it's no, a, monday, it's a night. monday night so that night, we can February 26th. have the episode out on tuesday yeah, as yeah. usual
1: block your calendars yeah so
0: you want to make sure you're following us at debrief show on instagram facebook and twitter we will have all of the resources there for you to find out how to join us for that 100th episode how to share quotes from this episode how to share this episode itself we would love to have you follow us along there and invite your friends to as well and we will have some notes and verses and all kinds of fun stuff in the show notes for this episode at debrief.show slash 95
1: well I'll see you next week kids